Thank you for joining me today on Becca's World. I'm your host, Blind Becca. Today, we're recording the next episode of The Blind View, and Joetta is joining us today. Today, we're discussing what's happening to our precious monuments in America today, and how we feel about it, and what we think about it, you know, stuff like that. And when I say monuments, I mean all these precious statues, the flags that are being torn down and burned and destroyed, and any piece of our heritage, no matter where you come from, the African-American heritage, Native American heritage. There's so many different races and nationalities in America. We, we need to make sure it's all kept sacred. But anyway, this is what we're talking about today. So thank you for joining me, Joetta. How are you? I'm fine. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. So Joetta, how do you feel about all the crazy destruction that's going on in America? It's senseless, stupid, unnecessary and like I would love to reach in people's hands and shake their brain matter and find out what the heck are they thinking it don't make any sense it's just dumb it's mindless mob violence just for the heck of doing something they're making excuses because they can't get out like they want to, so they're gonna tear things up. It's just like when about a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine sent me a video and I wish I could play that, but I can't because um, the way it was put in, I hate saying this word, but that's the name of the video. Um, Social niggas versus black people. I'm, my hand to God, I'm not joking. Um, basically, it's some of the actors and things that are talking about the difference between black people and social niggas. Um, the, the socials, I'm gonna leave it at that part because I really hate saying that word. The socials uh, use anything and everything as an excuse to do whatever they wanna do. Whereas black people, we have decided to raise ourselves above that mentality and do something with our lives. Hence the that, difference. The difference. That's admirable. I love that. Um, and and so you say black people, but I think that's not just black people. That's black Americans, because I think that's part of the American spirit. You know, our True. ability to rise above it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what gets me because they all say, all of us black people, uh, excuse you, you cannot speak for me. I'm sorry, that don't fly. So, you know, they're sitting there going, oh, it's, it's all of us in this school together. No, we're not. All of us are not in the same boat with you. Some people, and I've noticed this ever since I left high school, this is what blows my mind. Not even a year after I graduated, which was 1976, and yes, I'm dating myself, but who cares? Um, within one year of me leaving high school, I watched my old neighborhood do a drastic 360. Back in the time that I was growing up, and we actually believed it took the village to raise a kid. If you got in trouble down the street at Susan Q's house, by the time you got home, your mama knew all about it, okay? So nowadays, if you do anything down the street, your mama ain't gonna never know nothing about it because nobody's gonna tell. And if you get yourself in trouble down the street and get your butt beat for it and you come home, it's gonna be all hell broke loose because mama gonna go down and see who hit, your, hit you and it's gonna be on and cracking down on the end of the street. So it's no longer a village raising a kid, it's everybody for themselves there. I mean, I've watched kids that I went to school with who respected their parents go from that to kids who beat their parents. So and I couldn't like, believe it. This sounds like some more degeneration of the American family, but it also affects the whole community is basically what you're describing. Yes. Right? Yeah. 
That's so sad. It is. But it happens. And a lot of it, and I know this ain't just the Black race. I know this is every race across the planet. There are young folks that get together and have unprotected sex. And then oh, they're, the boys promising them this and the girls promising them that. And then when they wind up getting pregnant, the boy jets. It's like, oh, they don't know where he is. The family ain't telling nothing about nothing. The girl ain't nothing but a piece of trash. So you got these fatherless kids, moms breaking their necks, trying to get it together, or they get strung out on alcohol and drugs. And then that girl's family is left to raise that kid. They're already tired from raising the mom to begin with. Or, you know, whatever. And, and it, it, the, the circle, the spiral just keeps going downward. So it's like so, a generational thing that continues. There must be some way to break the trends. Only the, if that family is really ready to do so. It's just like the old adage. You can lead a horse to water, mm -hmm. but you can't make them drink. Mm -hmm. They've got to be ready to break that generational curse. Mm -hmm. They've got to. And that's why they were talking about socials and Black people. When you decide to pull yourself up out of that racial stereotype and make something of yourself. That's when things change. But then at the same time, you got the socials calling you Uncle Tom or a snob or whatever the case may be. Not the fact that they're proud of you for getting up on your feet, but the fact that you decided to get away from what was already there. So a lot of black people move away from the old neighborhoods, just like I did. And I did not look back. In fact, I, would, I, I went by to see a few friends of mine years after I left that area. And I might as well have went into a time warp because things had not changed. Some of it actually got worse. How did your friends and family treat you when you went back after so much time had passed? Well, it was more friends than family. Um, okay. Um, some of them thought I was okay. A couple of them knew why I left. Uh, one girl, when I seen her, she looked really bad. I mean, really bad. Like, a bag of bones bad. Did they, did they look at you like you, did they treat you like, like, did they treat you bad because they thought you, you thought you were better than them because you had pulled yourself up and done something with your life, you know? A few did of you? them did. I did. Yeah, yeah, a few of them did. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, well, we see you doing good. You got this, you got this. Uh, mm -hmm. I worked for that and I worked for this. That's how I got this. Well, you know. You could be leaning down and helping us. Uh, no, I couldn't because I already saw where you go, the guys were going, and it wasn't where I wanted to be. They'd certainly, I know what you're talking about because I know people like that from where, where I'm from too, and people like that will hold you back and slow down mm -hmm. your progress and even make mm -hmm. you, it'll, it'll cost you so much in pain. And, and financially, and waste so much of your time when you have so many important things to get done in life, you know? True, very true, very true. And that's what made it so sad about watching my neighborhood change. And I'm like, I can't believe this. And in fact, I went back, what was it? Let's see, by this time it's 90. And I've been away from there close to 20 years then. So I went back in the old neighborhood, just driving by. And to look at it, I'm like, this is where I used to live. I couldn't believe the changes. I mean, it was major. Back when I was a kid, people kept their yards kept up. Um, it wasn't nothing like it was when I seen it in 90.
I mean, the state of the houses that were there were some of them were dilapidated. Others you could tell were totally unkempt. And I'm like, what happened? And then stuff that happened in the dark, if you know what I mean, was now in the daylight. And I'm like, what the hell? You you mean stuff crimes that were committed before that were uh -huh. unseen were seen then? So what what crimes could you see at that point that you didn't see before? Um, stuff that like did it, a lot of people did like drug deals at night. Uh -huh. in oh, the so dark, they were... in, it was daylight, broad daylight, and they were doing it on the street. I'm like, oh. what? Uh -huh. Are you serious right now? And probably prostitution as well. Oh, honey, that was going on back when I was a kid, too, please. But oh. not, as, <laughs> not, not as blatant, though, probably. Right, right. And I'm like, I can't believe what I'm saying. I mean, it looked bad. It looked really, really bad. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this is sad. And it was a library when... I left, the building still looked in great shape. I looked at that library now, and it looked like it had been beat up wet and put away dry. People really need to start caring about what we have in this country. We need to start, you know, taking care of it and taking care of, you know, our families and our communities, because it makes me sick at the way we're losing all this stuff and the way we're just letting it go to rubble, you know? <laughs> That's an understatement if there ever was one. Because yeah, I remember like, when my, I, I'm sorry. I can remember when my, my youngest daughter, my, not my youngest, my oldest, was like two years old. And the apartment complex that we lived in didn't have a playground. So we asked the complex managers, could we get some playground equipment put in the large backyard? And so we did. Okay, tell me why two weeks after that happened, there's grown men back there trying to sell drugs to kids. That's sick. So we wasted our time just even asking for the equipment. I, I want to make a call out to all people who love their children, who love their neighbors and their family and their friends and who love this country. Let's pull together and stop throwing garbage on the streets and stop doing drug deals in the streets and stop all this illicit activity that's that's poisoning our families that's hurting our children let's just stop it you guys let's do something smart and start sowing seeds of health and good things in our communities and in our families and our children please i have to agree with you on that one because frankly they're always talking about white people beating black people up okay well i'm going back to the social versus black people again even the black people say y'all know what you need to quit doing black on black but that happens in every race no matter what it happens uh -huh. if people would stop doing this to their own races and start pulling together as units and get rid of the effect, the elements that are causing all this to begin with. I think the world would be a whole lot better place. But until what? they're willing to do that. Yeah, until they're willing to do that, nothing will change. Joanna, let's talk about these elements that you made reference to that, that can, we can start changing in this country to make things better. Do you want to talk about some of these things? We can. Um, what are your top one, two, or three things that you think we need, could work on in this country? Well, socially is, and... Socially, I think there should be, and I know everybody's going to have, there ain't enough money. That's the first thing somebody's going to scream about. They used to have a lot of more uh, places where young people could go after school for positive reinforced um, things like gyms, uh, like after-school programs, things like that that were positive charged, not like 
They go hang out at a park all day and mess around with the wrong people. But if they had more programs that were geared toward um, unifications in families as well, like say they have, because I've met people that have kids, they themselves can't read. If there were more literacy programs geared to into our families, if they wish, uh, I think that would be a good start. Uh, yeah, our illiteracy problem is ridiculous. Is huge. Reading is it's so huge. important. It well, is what huge. I was, what if, what if the children went home and were encouraged to teach their parents? You know what I mean? Yeah, but why you not? Have to, you got to think about that for a minute. Because even though today's kids, all they think about is being in them phones or being in those games. Oh, I'm talking about starting when they're young, like when they start school and they start learning how to read. Oh, that would be good. they get introduced to computers. You know, when, when you're teaching those kids to read, if they don't, if their parents don't know how to read, encourage them to teach their parents how to read long before they, those kids ever get started on the computers, you know? That would make sense, yes. That would make sense. Because it would be so easy for little Bobby or Sally to go take their book home and sit down with their mom or dad and, you know, teach them to sound, you know, teach them phonics, the different sounds that the letters make. And, you know, it really could be done. And I, I honestly don't know why we are not using more of these students to teach. I mean, in all areas of life, every time somebody learns something, if they turn around and teach it to somebody else, it just cements that knowledge in their own mind. Each yeah. one teach one. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they also, and even if they're introduced to computers, now they've got um, the ABC mouse program. Mm -hmm. Okay. ABC mouse can also be geared to adults. Even if you don't understand words, it can help you because they have programs in there for phonics. They have words in there for word building. Uh, so it's not impossible to learn right there along with your kid if you choose to do so. Reading is so important, you know. So I was an avid reader before I went blind, Joetta, and I wanted to be a mm -hmm. teacher, you know that? And so I when really I went blind, I... I didn't get access to like audiobooks right away when I went blind, right? And I remember I was so depressed. The hardest part of dealing with the blindness was the fact that I couldn't read. So when I first got access to talking books, it was like my, I, I couldn't stop listening to books and, you know, because I was suddenly able to get access to just information again, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I really feel like that was part of the prog progress of me starting to heal my brain, you know, and as I continued to read and then did other things with my brain and my eyes, you know, and stuff, um, I think this is all, it helps, you know, it really helps to um, connect you with your, your, your world and each other, you know, True. I mean, reading is just so important. And as a fellow author, I'm sure you agree with me on that. Oh, good grief. Yes. Um, it didn't, I, with me, um, before I even knew what a talking book was, I had had access to audiobooks from um, the Department of Rehab Services and back in Oklahoma. And this one lady introduced me to audiobooks that they had already there. So I had no idea what the talking book program was until I got here in Texas. But once they started me with the audiobooks in Oklahoma, and then um, it linked me into access with Bard. That was all she wrote. So for me, I mean, I go through at least 14 books in a month, easy. So for me, I, wanted, I like to read. So Joetta, as, as both of us being authors, I wanted to take this opportunity to say to any authors who are watching this, if you have made your writings accessible to the blind by making them accessible on the National Library Service or via Audible or whatever. I want to thank you for making your stuff accessible to us. Because I know as an author myself and someone who wanted to be a teacher, I just feel that reading is so important. But I, from what I understand, not all authors make their books available to the blind, you know? True. Um, 
That is true. Yep, that is very true. And that's what I'm trying to do with the book I've got now. But they told me it costs. So I'm like, right now I'm process saving up money so I can move it to, uh, to eBooks. So they'll be able to get it. What book are, are, is, what book are you writing right now, Joetta? Do you have a name for, for what? Yes, I do. Um, it's called Journey from Darkness. Subtitle, How I've Learned to Live with a Very Rare Autoimmune Disorder. Okay. And so are you writing that under the name of Joetta K. Lewis? I am. So our viewers can, it's not, it's not published yet though? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. But the, one I okay. Have, the one I have out now uh, that's been out for quite a bit is a book of poetry and it's written under my former married name of Gravit. Um, it's called Open Window and it's by J.K. Gravit, my first two initials. And um, it's on Amazon, and it's a collection of poems that I've written throughout my life, from when I was single, and um, um, it would be um, from when I was a teenager, to when I started having kids, to when I got married and divorced and back on my own again. So it's like a whole, literally almost, almost a lifetime of poems in this one book. So, um, and old memories that I had as a kid as well. So, yeah. Is, is, it, is it available in audio as well or just like? That's what I'm working on is getting the audio okay. set up. That's what I'm okay, working on. Cool. Or write dance in print. Okay, wonderful, Joetta. Um, so, do we want to get back on the subject of monuments and stuff? Um, we can. Uh, I think it's kind of dumb. I mean, they have monuments, don't get me wrong. I know there are monuments built to back in the day. Some some people that were slave owners, some people that did whatever they did back in the day, but they had a big effect on the name of the town or the name of a park or whatever it may be. But they want to use this as an excuse to tear it down when it's been there for God knows how many years. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And burning the flag when it's supposed to stand for all of us, that to me is an insult. To me, all of these statues and the, everything, it all has to do with all of us because each one of us, um, just by growing up in America, we all, all have parts of us that are, you know, American by, you mm -hmm. know, just by definition. And and part of being American is is respecting our our history and our heritage and knowing that, yes, even though some of our history is history we're not proud of, it's history that we cannot erase because if, That's if right. it's forgotten, it can, you know, if it's forgotten, then we can repeat those same mistakes and we don't want yeah, to do that. Yeah, I know people have called me names because of what I said about this, but if you really have ever paid attention to the words on the side of the Statue of Liberty, where it says, give me your tired, your poor, your tempest-tossed, bring them to me. Okay, well, all of those who came over here, whether it was by being thrown out of their country, um, running from persecution, wanting a better life, whatever it was, they came here to start over. Also, the ones that were brought over as slaves, the ones that came to be indentured servants, they all came here. Okay, well, the last time I looked, love didn't look at what color you were, loved at what looked at what drew you toward each other. Am I right? So, nobody here is pure. And for those that say so, they're totally deluded. Not one person is 100% Swahili. Not one person is 100% Chinese. 
Not one person is 100% African or whatever color you want to say you are. As a matter of fact, if you step back into Africa and swear for down you African, the Africans look at you and say, no, you're not. You're just a black person here taking up space in our country. They'll tell you that in the New York second. So no, nobody here is pure. We're all mixed somewhere down the line, whether it's by force for big people were forced to make, you know, whatever with, up, with others or through violent acts and we won't say what, but you get the idea. Um, whatever the case may be, nobody is 100% anything here. We're all Americans and that's what we're supposed to be. But everybody keeps segregating everybody else. You got a channel over here, it's all white. You got a channel over here that's all African. You got a channel over here that's all Chinese. You got a channel over here that's Afghani. You got a channel over here that's French. The last time I looked, we were all still living in the same country. Why can't we just say the cooking channel with so-and-so and so-and-so, and we're gonna teach you French cooking today. Not that it's all French and French people watch it. Not that it's all the stuff I just talked about. So yeah, I got I got to that quite a bit every time I said that. And I really didn't care because I honestly believe that. Because when my daughter decided to do this ancestry um, test, she had gotten one of those three-in-one kits and sent me one. Was so, that one of those DNA kits? Uh-huh. Oh. So, and I think my kids were shocked. <laughs> Because here's what happened. When I sent mine in and it came back, my daughter said, Mom, I don't want to tell you this. I said, what? She goes, now I know why you are who you are. I'm like, what are you talking about? So basically, we all started out Ivory Coast, um, Zimbabwe, uh, Ghana, all that we got all that in common okay but uh -huh. then there's one percent of me other than american indian that is norwegian scottish and irish and my daughter didn't know what to say i was like what i said if you look at the things those countries were closest to africa before they ever got to america so yeah, there's going to be some traveling around. That's all there is to it. It is diversity in our in our DNA. That's it. And now they got. And matter of fact, just recently, there was a lady who was talking about a report saying the lack of diversity in our DNA is taking a big toll on our health. And I thought that was kind of odd. But then thinking back about my diversification. No, it's not. So, you know, being diversified as we all are, if you break down your DNA, you'd be surprised at exactly just how much you are the same. And people look at us like, I didn't know that. Really? Okay, of course you didn't if you didn't look at it. But a lot of people that I know when they did their DNA, and I still held my records for a long time. And when they looked at theirs, they're like, hey, we got some of the same stuff in our blood. You think? Really? I mean, if people would take the time to go ahead and do those things, you would find out you're not so unique as you might think. Everybody has a mix of blood. As we travel through the countries, going to wherever, from whatever, you're going to stop along the way. You might have a dalliance here, a dalliance there, or you might have a marriage over here and a marriage over there. Well, even before you got to who you are, somebody was doing some traveling somewhere, and there came you down the generational line. People wonder why come some people have blue eyes or green eyes or the monochromatic green eye, brown eye. 
you know, or the variations in between. Well, that didn't come from just luck. That came from a mixture of the bloodlines, somewhere down the line, you know? And then when you sit down and look at that, that's just the way it is. Nobody's pure, period. And if everybody would stop and look at that, they might just change their tune, hopefully. I think we're all pure. You In know what, what I mean? Way? Like, I just like just like we should stop separating ourselves into races. Mm -hmm. We can't. We shouldn't say that we're we're raceless. Just like it doesn't True. make sense to say you're genderless. Uh -huh. I think we all. Well, we need to realize that we're 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 all basically the same. We're, we're all these human units made up of a spirit, soul, and body with hopes, dreams, you know what aspirations, I mean? Aspirations, yes. And aspirations, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Those okay, are the foundational you. things, you know? I mean, I if, if, we, if we can start looking at our fellow man like that, maybe we would stop beating him up with a baseball bat and then breaking Ugh. his windows and stealing, robbing his store, you know, or whatever's going on out there on the streets right now, mm -hmm. or what has been going mm -hmm. on, you know? If people start looking at each other more as souls that are living in these bodies rather than the bodies themselves. Right. And see right. The, the, the quality and the value in those souls. Right. I agree with you on that one. That's exactly what I mean. Because we're all pure human beings as far as that goes. But I mean we're all sinful, but we are all essentially oh made well, we're all made by God, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if we just I mean, that's the core of it. If you get down to the core, we're all equals and we, we all will die someday we are all susceptible to death none of us can escape that you know there's That's certain true. things as members of the human race we all have the same vulnerabilities we ha all have the same basic joys in life the same things make us mm -hmm. feel good the same things hurt us you know and if we just started trying to do the things to each other that only make us feel good and stop doing the things that hurt each other you know the world would be a better place oh god i know that for a fact yes that's what I keep telling people. And I mean, I've, got, I've still got people looking at me crazy because I make friends so easily. That's oh, just yeah. my way. And um, a lot of my friends, we're, I have a lot of friends from different races, different walks of life. And people look at me and go, how do you do that? Just by being myself. I don't pretend to be anybody I'm not. And I will be honest with you and tell you exactly what I think. And if you want a true friend, then I'm going to really tell you even when you don't want to hear it. You know, that's just the mark of a real friend. So uh, I've wound up having more friends than enemies. And my kids are just blown away at how many friends I do have. And I don't ask them for anything. I just say, hey, how you doing? Check in on my runs in a while. They check in on me and we're good. We're golden. So I'm good with that. But they also know I won't take any BS mm -hmm. and I don't expect them to take any from me. So when I see people coming up with this racist crap and, and all this BLM and I know you know how that came about, right? How, how did that come about? You mean how the BLM came about? Yes. Um, tell me exactly what you mean. <laughs> you mean what I researched? Yeah, what did you find when you researched it? Me and my son did some digging several years ago when this first came out. And basically what that started from was a bunch of black trannies had gotten attacked by some cops. And that's where this started. And if you look again, just recently, another group of black trannies were raising hell again with the same thing. So then the black race decided to add that to their umbrella and make it cover everybody, except it really doesn't. They just use this as an excuse to say so. And I think that's sad. Because to me, all lives matter. It don't matter 
what you pink, polka dotted, gingham switch check, whatever. All life is precious. All life is special. All life is sacred. End of story. And for you to think that is any different, that your life matters over somebody else's, is ridiculous. Nobody's life is any better than the other. We're all in the same boat. So there's, with all of the anger on the streets out there, whether it's from the BL members of the BLM or the Antifa or other, other um, hostile um, strong arm mm-hmm. groups that are trying to start strong arm people, you know, mm-hmm. um, Joetta, do you can you think of anything that any words that could be used to help calm this tide of fury that this fury that's being unleashed on the american people i mean what what would quell this uprising do you think gee that's a that's a good question because no matter how many people are out there saying y'all need to stop no matter how many people are out there saying this makes no sense there are people whose mindsets are so negatively charged that they don't see even though the reality is right there in front of their faces they refuse to look at it they refuse to believe it okay so then would these should these people be considered and treated as criminals and arrested and thrown in jail because that i mean three years or two years ago if people had suddenly started doing what these people are doing they would have been arrested and put in jail right True. But we've been letting this insanity go on this year because there have been some incidents that have happened, True. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think living our lives reacting to situations isn't working, you know? No, no. Because when you overreact, that's when things really explode, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But then you got these instigators in the group that are not helping matters either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you got people coming in from other states, knowingly doing this, yeah, on purpose, and it's been shown. It's been, you know, you hear it on the news. Well, so and so and so and so, age twenty eight, age twenty seven, was driving the car, and he is a known Klansman. Okay, what the hell were you doing in this state? You know, why are you here? Well, of course, they're here to instigate. Uh-huh. And that's happened here in San Antonio, too. Uh, a lot of the stuff downtown, which is where I live, is downtown. Um, they had actual, and, and it blowed my mind, cops and choppers running through downtown for those nights right after Mr. Floyd was killed. Uh, even though that took place in Houston, we were having riots down here. They had the cops going and coming just to make sure that wasn't going any further. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, really? This is just nuts. And it's un- all of this because they wanted to say, well, Mr. Floyd was the start of, 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 of whatever. Dude, no, he wasn't. Any other funeral would have not been televised like this. It would have been the family been able to put the person in the ground in peace and going about their business. But for some so, ungodly reason, because it took place in another state, oh boy. So Joetta, are you expressing then that you are upset that they've been giving George Floyd's death so much notoriety? Not the the family actually didn't want all this notoriety. In fact, um I want to say it was the mom that said that they just wanted to put their family member away in peace, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what should be and have been respected. Mm-hmm. Let them do what they needed to do in peace. Now, what made the BLM jump up was the fact that that cop had his knee in his man's throat. Mm-hmm. I already know what instigated it, mm-hmm. which was unnecessary, I think. But yes. that's my opinion. It was unnecessary because that did prove to kill the man. It was mm-hmm. proven in the in the autopsy, even though mm-hmm. they tried to hide it. 
it came mm -hmm. out in the light anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's what sparked all the madness mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. This is what I think was unnecessary. Now they've got these people convicted because there's too much pressure on the people to convict these guys. Well, now they're finally convicted. All of this stuff should have died right there. But instead, when you say these, when you the say cops. these guys, are you referring to the cops in the deployed situation specifically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they got convicted, but they haven't been charged with whatever time they're going to serve. Uh, and now. There's been other cops in around other states in the country doing some of the stupid stuff too. They've been caught. But still, they're using all these other things as an excuse to riot, loot, strong arm folks, hurt folks. And for what? Just because you wanna riot and be stupid and, and do the things you wanna do, because you want to follow the sheep mentality instead of thinking for yourself when you already know right from wrong? Come on now. That's just, mm -mm. it has that right the, with me. The timing of George's death in these riots could not have been worse either because we were already struggling so much from what the virus had done to us, yes, you know? And then, yes. All of a sudden, George was murdered and these riots broke out. So mm -hmm. as, as stuff has been starting to open back up, now these people are going to these businesses, businesses and trying to reopen these businesses that have been destroyed. Mm -hmm. You know, what, how, how much can these, these small business owners be expected to endure? You know what I mean? They and can. not just them, but just individuals who were hurt or terrorized or killed. You know what I mean? Right, right. This, so I, I am very angry, very angry about everything that's been done to my country this year. I understand that one because it doesn't make sense. Matter of fact, uh, I had to start cracking up the other day. And, and I'm not meaning to downplay what you're talking about, but this is what happened a few days ago. A friend of mine from Houston called me. Now, there's a real nice area in Houston. I don't know the name of the area. He didn't tell me. It was an older couple that had just refurbished an old mansion there. Okay? Uh -huh. And a bunch of these protesters were going to walk into this gated community and try to tear this house apart. Uh -huh. Now, did you hear me say older couple? Uh -huh. Check this out. A lot of people in these nice communities have said enough is enough when they tried to break into that man's yard and try to get into his house the man and his wife came to the door loaded for bear okay they weren't gonna have it they said the first one comes any further toward our house is gonna get it and they weren't playing because both of them had both both of them had rifles and other and other weapons right there with them. Because we they had just finished redoing that entire house, and they were setting it aside for their family. And whenever you know they leave the earth, they were setting it aside for their other family. And uh, these bunch of protesters thought they were gonna get up in there and just tear stuff up just to be tearing something up. And this couple said, "No, you're not." And I don't blame them for standing their ground. They put, they put their time, blood, sweat, tears, and God knows what all else into refurbishing that old mansion. Uh -huh. I don't know what size it was. I don't know how many rooms, but I did see a picture of it and it looked really nice. So but were they them, able to save it then or? Oh, honey, yeah, they did. Good. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They made them get out of their yard. They sure did. Good for them. Because uh, that was a lot of them doing that kind of stuff nowadays. And the people in these areas are tired of it. Probably they're going to go to the suburbs since they can't mess with the city no more. Uh, Why do you want to go and disturb other people? For what uh, reason? Uh, and people in the suburbs are not having it because they, they work to get to those places. They live there. 
that's their homes. They've saved, scrimped, whatever to pay for those. And y'all think y'all gonna come in there and tear up our place? Uh, no. And I don't blame them. Not one bit. So, so Joanna, I wanted to talk some more about <coughs> monuments and heritage and stuff because one thing, Joanna, you when you were growing up in America and you were going to mm -hmm. school, do you feel like you were taught to to love and feel proud of your country and feel pr love and feel proud of who you were and all of that? Or how do you feel? You, how were you made to feel about your country as an African American? You know. Well. Back when I was little, my parents taught me a lot about respecting where I live, respecting authority, respecting life in general. Not necessarily about the United States, but the world itself. They more or less gave me a global view of the world. I mean, they weren't able to take me places or anything like that, but they would talk to me about the different parts of the world and tell me how people were from these countries that they, the knowledge that they knew of them. And then when we came back to our own country, she also taught us a lot about here. And she said, you need to respect the law of the land you need to respect each other and you need to respect yourself. Because if you don't respect yourself, nobody else will. And you have to understand to get along in this world, you got to be able to follow every rule there is. And to also know that you can think for yourself and you don't have to listen to what everybody says. You don't have to go along with what everybody says. You need to look at things for what they are both sides of the coin not just one side to before you so, make a conscious decision so you feel like your te your parents taught you to think for yourself basically yes that's cool um that was and, that so, was and, you, and you feel like that that teaching has empowered you in life and and so do you feel like you've been held back as an african-american then in a lot of things, yeah, if you look at it, like as far as employment goes, especially when I was younger, um, I had a really, I thought it was a great job at one point in time. Uh, I was working for the you know, Oil and Gas Corporation, and mm -hmm. I was working alongside this other young lady, mm -hmm. and I was getting $10 less than she was getting an hour, and we were doing the same job. How long had you guys been working there? Uh, I had been working there for almost five years at that time, but I gotten promoted up to that how long position. had how long had she been working there? I'd say maybe two. Oh, that's definitely some discrimination. What did you do about that, Joetta? I I put a grievance in, but that didn't change anything. What year was that? Eighty four. Oh wow, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I didn't change have, anything. Have now, you experienced know. similar racism since then? I mean, in the last uh, few years? Yeah, I have, but I've chose to say something about it quietly and let them know exactly what I thought. Um, Would you like to discuss that? Sure. Um, and, this was, and this was at a job I was going to apply for. Now, I'm not going to name the name of the company, but um, they had asked me to come in because they said my resume looked good, right? I talked real great on the phone. But when I got there, went to HR, HR told me to go around to staging. Okay. So I go around to staging. There's a young man there. And the first thing he sees is that cane. He doesn't see me. And then he starts talking to me like I don't have a brain in my head. I'm like, well, you have to sit down and finish the application. 
And I'm like, okay, but does your computer have JAWS? Well, no, uh, we don't have JAWS, but you still have to sit down. Okay, sir, I cannot finish the application unless I can hear what's on the computer. Well, what did you think you were doing here? Didn't you know such and such place? Joetta, so was this, this sounds more like it was discrimination based on your disability more so than your race though, right? Oh no, this guy was white. Oh. Oh no. Oh no. This was a double-edged sword on this one. It was oh. both. It was oh. both. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you so you feel like if you had been white, he probably would have said something different. He probably would have just put Jaws on the computer for you had you been white. Is that no, that might have happened. I, no, I think that it went around to HR and said something about it and figured out something. So, but I mean, he talked to me all kinds of crazy and it took a lot of me not to go there in my negative self, which I had really pulled myself up from that years and years ago. It took everything in me not to say, not to be ugly. And so I walked back around to HR. I said, ma'am, can you explain something to me? I said, when I called here to talk to this lady about this job, and I asked her about accommodations, she told me that they could do that. Then can you tell me why from then to now, which had been two weeks, that nobody had gotten this done? She couldn't explain. Okay. She couldn't explain anything to me. Not on top of that, that she couldn't, that she couldn't explain to me, but the interviewer who was supposed to call me back never did. So, okay. To this day, they're still sending me job leads that I will not even bother to look at simply because of what I already went through that first time. Because I already know they're not going to get JAWS into their computer system. Because I called back about three days after I talked to the HR lady. She told me that JAWS is not compatible with their computer service. The funny thing is, how is that possible when they're a global company? That doesn't make sense to me. But, no, they didn't want to put JAWS in there. So, okay. Why y'all send us, why are you still sending me job leads? Take me off your leave list. They never did. So Joetta, um, are you sure, how much of it do you feel was just his ignorance because he wasn't familiar with how to accommodate a blind person? How much of it do you think was because you were actually black? You know? A little bit was because of, um, I was blind. And then to look at his face, if you'd have been there to see his face, you would have seen the other half. Mm. It was bad. Wet and pretty, let me tell you. I mean, because he just looked down at me like, you know, what the hell are you doing here? That must have made you, that must have made you feel pretty horrible, huh? No, I didn't feel horrible. I was in fighting, I was in fighting spirit right then. And like what I said, did you it do? Took a, I stayed professional. I stayed very professional. Like I said, I went back around to HR and that's when I asked her that question. And like I said, three days later, I called back to ask about why they didn't, you know, had they done the JAWS thing yet? And they said, no, their computer's not capable of, of uh, accommodating JAWS. And their so, company is a global company. So that makes you, no sense. You, under legal, by law, they should have had to provide you with a computer that did accommodate JAWS. You know what I mean? I, yes, that's, I do. So to me, just getting to that point, and then, well, they said their computer wouldn't accommodate JAWS. Um, I guess you just chose not to pursue it any further? Is that I talked to, I called and talked to, like I said, I called HR. I talked to them. Um, 
then another man sent a called me, asked me if I would come in again. And I said, no. He said, why? And I told him what had happened. He goes, well, I'll look into that. Okay. That was the end of that then too, because I never heard from that person again either. So yeah, that was the end of it. So to this day, like I said, they're still sending me job leads. Well, maybe you could forward those on to other people who might be able to use them then, you know? I did. Oh, good. I did. But I thought, you know, that was pretty crappy. You know, why are you going to send me job leads knowing good and well? And what started me going to this thing was a job fair. Mm -hmm. And it was a job fair here at, I think it was at the Coca-Cola Center here in San Antonio. And that was last summer. And I went and took my application, not my application, but my resume to several people. And they were the only ones that responded. So, Mm. you know, I thought maybe I had a chance, but obviously not blind, you don't. Mm -hmm. If you're physically handicapped, like in a wheelchair, oh yeah, you can go to work for them. Cause I saw two people in wheelchairs go to work and work there. Well, it sounds like the the process of applying and going through the interviewing process and all that sounds like the process itself for getting the job isn't accessible. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you never got to do the job to see if you could do mm-hmm. it in the first place. So that mm-hmm. must have been very frustrating. It was. It was. It was very disheartening because, you know, they made it sound like, okay, you could be a good fit for our company, you know? And then when I get there in staging and I hadn't even seen the interviewer yet, he acted like he was the main front for the interviewer. Uh I'm like, really? You know? And like I said, it took everything in me not to go to the other side and be ugly like that stereotype, all blind people are angry. I wasn't trying to go there. Uh-huh. I was trying to stay away from that because I wasn't yeah. going to give him that satisfaction. No. Yeah. So, yeah. As a blind person, I get so angry and so frustrated when I deal with those walls of of people ignorance, you know, not giving us a chance just because of our blindness, you know, it drives mm-hmm. me crazy. Especially when it's something so simple as the computer that you need to utilize to apply for the job or whatever isn't accessible. That's so dumb. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. All too well. <laughs> I really do. Because it's like I said, it's annoying and it's frustrating. I mean, because I went to school to Chris Cole for this purpose, you know, Joanna, to do are to do that. Are you are you on Newsline? NFB Newsline, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do they have do they put like help wanted ads and stuff on there? Do you know? They do. Oh, that's cool. They do. Um, I don't have time to even look at Newsline, but for our viewers who have newsline or who don't have newsline but who are blind it is a good resource for you to look at to find out about you know help wanted ads that are accessible so mm-hmm. i have some on there i mean i've seen one on there that i was wanting to do but it was in another state and i just didn't have the resources to move otherwise mm-hmm. i would have jumped at that job trust me <laughs> what job was it do you remember it was it was for um, intake services, oh, which would have been a good, a, it would have been a great job if I had been able to do it remotely. You know, mm-hmm. I could have done it from here, but they needed somebody at their home office. And I'm like, oh, oh. it's bites. <laughs> but oh well. Well, do we want, do you have any more to add about the monuments and everything that's been going on in our country? Or should we wrap this up, Joetta? I honestly think that people should stop and think for themselves instead of listening to 
what everybody says. You know, y'all know what's what y'all know right from wrong. You know, just stop and think about it. Maybe it may not make sense to you at the time that you should go do this, but it's more to your growing up and the way you were brought up is the reason that you should stop and think. You're tearing up things for posterity, for your children's children's children. And without them knowing the history, how do you think they're gonna react in the future? How do you think they're gonna think of you in the future knowing that you were part of the problem instead of part of the solution? You gotta Those think ahead of what you're doing. Those Sorry. are some really profound words, Joetta. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for joining us today on Becca's World. We hope you enjoyed um, our episode of The Blind View today. Please like, share, and hit the subscribe button. Peace out. Thank you for watching Becca's World. Please like, share, and subscribe to my channel.